Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District. This is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Not adjust your LP. The scratch you hear is actually in my uh, throat and voice tonight. This is we your, welcome you to the front row. This is your low throaty voice. This is your uh, Barry White voice. It's after hours. It is. It's the late night version of the front row here on a <laughs> holiday weekend. How are you, KJ? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Sorry it's, you are not feeling well. I'll be all right. I'll be all right. This is the... Uh, if it's any consolation, I know you don't feel good, but you don't look good either, so you got that going for you. Well, yeah, so normally I'm only one for two. There you go. Gotcha. It's the accumulation of uh, football season has uh, worn me down to this point, but hopefully Thanksgiving will snap me out of it in time to go to Gainesville on Saturday. responsibilities with uh, some women's hoops and some other things that you're doing. And my day job, too. It all adds up, but nobody wants to hear about that. Let's hear about the U.S. Virgin Islands, Keith. I mean, we left our listeners last week with a great image of you, sunscreen, the sun, so how was it? Uh, it was great. Uh, two things. Number one, uh, I never got in the water. Uh, they, I don't know that they have sharks down there, but I was not taking any chances. Uh, number two, uh, the the way the schedule was and the way the basketball games were, um, uh, there was preparation and things to get ready for. So it was a busy time, but a good time. It's hard to complain about being on an island where the temperature's 72 to 75 degrees when when it can go from from 35 to 68 back home. So uh, I don't uh, try not trying to list any um, uh, sympathy. Uh, I was disappointed, uh, and we'll talk about this more in another segment because we want to get to football first. But disappointed in the effort uh, in game one and uh, uh, rebounded in game two and three and leave two and one, four and one overall in the year, and uh, uh, everybody got home safe. Yeah, we'll hit on hoops uh, maybe in our next segment. I, I want to back up. You said you're not sure if there were sharks in the water. Do you think the Chamber of Commerce has that much pull down there, or what's the? I, 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 I'm pretty I sure that's do, an affirmative. I didn't do appropriate research to see how shallow they came in. That's, I guess is what I'm saying. Okay, all right. Anyway, uh, it is Thanksgiving week. It is FSU Florida week, and well, it's pretty much Thanksgiving means FSU Florida. I remember. I don't know, what's it been, 20 years? There was a time when they played this uh, the week before Thanksgiving. But anyway, we've been in this cycle Well, there forever. was a time when we played it on Thanksgiving Day, uh, one time, I think. Uh, but more importantly, played it on the Friday after Thanksgiving. That became a little bit of a, of a known quantity. So the game has moved around a little bit. Obviously, uh, uh, following the SEC, uh, you play the rivalry game last, and uh, everybody gets the uh, – uh, what is considered to be the easy game before Florida State uh, taking care of uh, business with uh, Chattanooga and uh, Florida dang near losing all their marbles <laughs> in their easy game. Uh, but it is Florida week, and, and I think it's uh, interesting, too. Uh, I know some other folks have been commenting that uh, maybe the game doesn't feel like it has the same uh, rivalry intensity of years past uh, maybe a lot of different reasons for that. But I'll tell you one thing. When I was playing ball, when Coach Bowden first got here, there was one thing and one thing only that he was instructed and told about, and that was you have got to beat the University of Florida. And I remember all four years when I was playing uh, Monday morning, even Sunday tape, uh, when we go back and look at game tape, Florida week, Florida week, Florida week. That was the only mantra that was known, and it was the 
biggest game of the year period the end and uh, for old timers like myself and maybe many of our listeners it still remains the biggest game of the year Uh, you're just trying to force me to ask the question aren't you which is what was your record against florida keith i never lost to the gators there you go four and oh right yeah first group that ever did that i've got a t-shirt it's holy it's got holes in it it's faded uh, but it, it is one of my most prized possessions uh, it, uh, the Jacksonville Booster Group gave us a bunch of them, and uh, my group, it says, I never lost to Florida. It's just a gray T-shirt with white letters on it that means the world. I think you just admitted to an NCAA violation there, by the way, but uh, hopefully nobody's listening or the statute of limitations has expired on that one. Anyway, uh, to your point about beat Florida, hey, not that we're going to open up this discussion right now, but... You know, Les Miles has won a lot of football games, but of late he can't beat Alabama, so look what they're going to do at LSU. Well, and that was the whole thing, and I know a lot of folks, Jeff included, have been talking about, you know, Jimbo's name being circulated. How about this? And you correct me. You'll know this number better and I'll get closer, but but the, the big consternation with LSU is, is even though there's been a national championship, there's been nine and ten win seasons, Les is like four and 12 or four and 11 against Alabama, Arkansas, and Ole Miss combined, which are considered the three rivalries, obviously to a lesser extent, but the three as a group. I mean, he has less than a stellar record against those rivalry folks, and everything else seems to go away and not not matter. Uh, And and that's the way rivalries are. Yeah, let's – before we bounce all over the place, we can talk more about that in, in next segment, too. Let's stay on FSU Florida for now, and then we'll go back to, to that topic a little bit. I will point out that uh, this portion of the program is brought your way by Madison Social, and I've, I've, uh, I'm not sure if it's actually a pattern yet, but for two consecutive weekends, I've now had brunch at Madison Social. And You're a regular. I, I'm, a, I'm a regular, yeah. I don't know if one more becomes a pattern or how many it takes, but anyway, the point is it's a, a good time. I didn't have the... Uh, Guinness chicken and waffles I had some it had bacon in it of course because that's a prerequisite on the Madison social menu it was bacon pancake dipping something I don't know it wasn't really uh it was brunch time but I'd already eaten breakfast and I was about to eat the press meal before the game on Saturday for lunch so I didn't feel the need to indulge completely but a good atmosphere nevertheless and that was you sampled to get to. accordingly I sampled accordingly well, All right, so. think about how much fun it'll be Saturday night with a seven thirty kick uh, that might be the place to be in well, Tallahassee. I can guarantee you, uh, now, Penn, the outcome will have something to do with this, but I'd rather be sitting there at Madison Social than at the Swamp, most likely. Well, you're down on the field and, and with you're amongst everything. The, in the lily pads in the, and In the midst everything. of the fray. In the midst of the fray. So I don't think we need to talk much about Chattanooga, but you watched the game. Anything that stood out to you on that? Well, two things. Number one, uh, pedestrian, but a win. Uh, and the second biggest thing that jumped out at me is Sean McGuire got the crap beat out of him and and uh, and still stood in there. And I think, unfortunately, and we'll talk about this more, you keep deferring everything, but we'll, we'll, in another segment, we'll discuss this. Well, we got five segments. I mean, what's um, like, what do you want to do? Uh, he's going to face a similar problem Saturday in the swamp. Uh, he he's going to get hit some, and he's going to have to be able to stand in the pocket and deliver the football. The good news is he's proven and shown that he can do that. The bad news is he's going to have to do it again. Yeah, I mean, he did. He stood in there in the in the teeth of the blitz a couple of times. Other than that, there wasn't uh, a whole lot that jumped out to me at that game. I mean, obviously, Florida State 
didn't start in great fashion with a turnover early. Yeah, but, but then seven touchdowns and a field goal on eight drives. Well, and really, they really... were they were about two third down stops away on defense from just uh, completely boat racing them, and the defense played pretty well overall. It was, uh, you know, maybe more than the game senior day, and that's a senior class that has forty eight wins now and counting. They're forty eight and five with three ACC rings in a national championship, you know, going for 50 wins overall in their career. That's pretty remarkable. And and within that, that 21-game home winning streak, uh, you know, stays intact. The regular season streak stays intact. Uh, you know, it, it's a remarkable group, and Jimbo has talked about them. Um, and, and remember who's not a part of that group that left last year. There's There's four or five kids that could be added to what was 19, I think, was the official count. Uh, that would make up that quote-unquote senior class or the signing class that ended up being the senior class and a a pretty remarkable record by a pretty remarkable group. Now, it will get more remarkable or or maybe less so depending on your your point of view, depending on what happens this Saturday night. So uh, everybody has this as a defensive struggle both ways. Florida has not been good on offense this year. Florida State has not been good on offense on the road this year. Both well, teams have good defense. Good on offense at home. The last two home games for Florida have been abysmal offensively. As you mentioned, Florida State has struggled on the road. You know, before we we sat down and started talking, you know, are you, are you looking at a ten seven game, a nine six game with with five field goals? I mean, you know, what is it going to be? And and I would simply tell you, whatever you think it's going to be, the probability is not good because it's a rivalry game, and you can throw out all the statistics, the trends. I know it's overused, it's clicheish, but you know why it's you know why it's clicheish, Tommy? Why you is it? Know cl- why it's clicheish? Because it's true. <laughs> you can throw out all the records, and anything could happen. Uh, and and that's what makes it unique, and that's what makes it a rivalry game. Whether it's the it's the game of two top fifteen clubs, or whether in nineteen seventy nine when Florida State was ten and zero, and the Gators were o nine and one, and we played at Florida Field, and we're lucky to get away with a victory. That's the way these games go. Well, and you can look at it uh, even more recently than that. I mean, you can go to the the 97 game when FSU lost down there and it ripped the hearts out of FSU folks to a Florida team that shouldn't have beat that FSU team. And then the next year, Florida came to Tallahassee as the favorites and Marcus Outson and FSU go out and beat Florida. I mean, The so Rooster. The Rooster did it. And, uh, <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's lots of games like that. By the way, I uncovered one thing, speaking of that 98 season, that I was completely unaware of. Florida State – wins at florida ends up going to the fiesta bowl playing tennessee that wasn't at florida that was here i'm sorry at here, here but plays fiesta bowl against tennessee gives up two long passes you know who was on the staff of tennessee in that year randy sanders i did not know that until a couple of read weeks your media ago. guy I, read I, the fine I, print kj i, 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 I mean, gotta dig turn- deeper i gotta dig deeper yeah, actually, I've had a conversation with him about that. It's too. just he's, amazing. He's not giving the ring back there, even no. though his allegiance is to no. FSU now, in it's case just, you're wondering. It's just amazing <laughs> how how this six degrees of separation is about three and a half. Yeah, oh, no question. There there always is. But, yeah, he was on that Tennessee staff. We, we're, we didn't mean to go down this path. Do we have to relive that? No. The point to this is anything can happen in a rivalry game. You asked earlier in this segment about uh, or, or referenced the stakes being higher. It is the first time in some time that both teams are in the top 15, which that used to be the norm in the 90s. Uh, to me, the stakes are higher 
I don't know that FSU folks necessarily agree, but they're higher for Florida because Florida still has an outside shot at making the CFP if a million things happen. FSU does not. So from that standpoint, a Florida win, while disappointing, uh, not something that FSU folks want to conjure up, uh, wouldn't ruin the season per se for Florida State in the same way that it did in 97 when you were unbeaten and Florida beat you and that ruined your national title hopes. True. However, I go back to the old standard fashion thing. You just don't want to lose to your rival. It doesn't matter what is or isn't on the line. And 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 that's the part of this game that always continues to fascinate me. It's going to be fun. At uh, worst possible kickoff time for Florida State with it being a night game down in Gainesville. That will be uh, one heck of an atmosphere on Saturday, no question. Tim Linnefelt will join us in a little bit, and we'll talk more. Uh, we'll get more into the X's and O's of this Florida State-Florida matchup. But uh, since I deferred some things in the next segment, I guess we'll talk about them when we come back next Did you segment. make a note what they were? Cause I, I didn't, didn't, but hopefully between the two of us we can remember something. And if not, we've got Tom on the other side of the glass. There this is go. the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Welcome back to the front row. Tom and Keith with you. Normally, uh, at this point of the program, we'd bring somebody from somewhere on planet Earth onto the show right now. But Keith and I missed each other so much with, with you being gone to the U.S. Virgin Islands that we're just going to continue the conversation. Well, and everybody else is celebrating Thanksgiving early. We didn't want to disturb them. Exactly. Let's talk basketball. And I, I mentioned uh, the way the games fell in terms of my schedule. I don't know that I watched any of the action down in the Virgin Islands. You obviously watched all of it. My general takeaway is they're still really talented and they still need to get better on defense. So that's kind of the Cliffs notes. But I'll let you, as the expert who was there, uh, fill us in. Expand on that just a little bit. They played Hofstra, a, a team that they should have beaten, and they just didn't show up. They showed their youth. Uh, they didn't respect uh, Coach Hamilton uh, coined the phrase, not, not that he, he invented it, but he used it. They didn't respect their opponent and therefore they played down in terms of their energy and effort, and they lost a game that they should not have lost. Uh, they came back against DePaul and in a very workmanlike fashion um, disposed of them. Um, the, the highlight of the DePaul game is that Bojanovsky was just horrible uh, to begin the second half. Where that becomes significant is he came back in the game uh, against Ohio University and scored 13 or 15 points and kind of redeemed himself. <laughs> Uh, the takeaway from all of it is that the two freshmen continue to be phenomenal. You know, Dwayne Bacon was the uh, ACC Rookie of the Week prior. Uh, Malik Beasley is the current ACC Rookie of the Week. Uh, the two of them continue to average right at 20 points apiece. Uh, Monte Brandon finally got a couple of starts, uh, got back in there. Devin Booker uh, spending a little more time at the point uh, with X uh, resting and or at the two position. Uh, you saw uh, Kuma Jay uh, get some more time. He's he's really an interesting kid. I know at seven four he draws all of our attention, even though we've got a seven foot three guy in Bojo and a seven footer sitting on the bench and Ojo uh, nursing that bad knee. 
but uh, Chris really brings a different style. He, he gets up so high for rebounds and and for block shots. He's got an edge to him. He's he's got a little bit of street ball in him, even though he's a big. He's tall got a bit kid. of a mean streak. Yeah, to him, he does, which is and, good. And very much so. Yeah, uh, and, and not out of not not uh, anything that is is dangerous, bad, or whatever other uh, adverb or adjective you want to put on. He just plays with an attitude. And it kind of spills over, and I think the two things that were the takeaway is that this team's four and one, uh, very athletic. Uh, they've given up way too many points, uh, and even though they they played much better defensively against Ohio University, uh, if you look at the stats, uh, the Bobcats shot fifty percent from the field and were pretty respectable from three land. That's one of those areas where the stats really didn't say the story correctly about how good Florida State did play defensively. It was just a good night by them shooting the ball uh, but certainly defense is going to have to have some attention laid to it and and offensively this squad can run and stay with anybody I mean th- this is a team that even if they don't play on nights they don't play great defense they can outscore you and, and it, it's really really entertaining I know they're not going to be back in town until till a couple of weeks from now in terms of a home game but man this this is a fun group to just watch how were they offensively in the half court when forced to play out of the half court when forced to play in the half court they're much better than you remember a Leonard Hamilton team being okay that's my impression from a very short exactly. sample size of the first two now, games now they want to run the, the transition game is what they'd rather do but when they have to get into the half court set uh this is a much improved motion offense uh than than those of us that have been watching florida state basketball for a while will will be able to remember even even though uh they 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 struggle occasionally they are much improved in the half court defensively then i'm gonna surmise just based on the fact that this team seems to like each other and there's freshmen playing early on which leonard wouldn't do if they didn't embrace the concept of defense at all that the the issue defensively is not a matter of buy-in it's a matter of execution execution they're a step away yeah in other words a foot placement a body position uh you know being a half a second late getting back when you switching out uh i mean it's all execution and they all know what to do it's just a question of actually doing it and doing it routinely and doing it consistently the buy-in is not a problem and that's been real interesting particularly with the three young freshmen uh kuma jay you know has been brought along and, and you've got uh, uh the junior college transfer and uh, and um, that, that's come in and, and Benji Bell, Benji Bell, yeah. and, and he he's pretty good defensively. But but three true freshmen have really got a, a a very high basketball IQ. And when you talk to the staff, they're, they're really really encouraged of how well they have grasped as Leonard talks about those defensive fundamentals. And now they just got to execute them. And, and the only way that's going to happen is repetition, continue to do, continue to be, and, and that will come along in due time. Well, I would think this is a an interesting week. You have Thanksgiving, but it I'd have to look at previous seasons. It seems odd to me that they're going to go a week or eight or nine days between games here before they play at Iowa. That leaves them some time to fine-tune. They do, uh, and, and that's uh, a little bit by design. The particular tournament, the the Paradise Jam that Florida State participated in, you know, has played the, the week up to. A lot of the other tournaments are during Thanksgiving week. You and I had a, a very memorable trip in 2000 to the Great Alaskan Shootout, uh, which I almost felt like I needed counseling uh, for 
for uh, uh, <laughs> uh, de- de- you know depression when you know when the sun comes was that, up. Was at, that the year two thousand? Yeah, I believe it was. Wow! Like, you know, sun comes up at ten o'clock and sets at two thirty in the afternoon. That, you know, there ain't a lot of daylight. Uh, but I, I will just add that I completely, you know, not to, to take us off track too much, but uh, we were there. It was not in the Leonard years. It was in, in when Steve uh, Robinson was the coach. And FSU played at 12 noon, like three days in a row. So we left the hotel and it was dark. And, we and got when the game was over, it was dark. And after four or five days of that, I was like, wow, this is pretty depressing. It really is. This. But, but anyway, go ahead. To the point being is that won't happen in subsequent years. I don't know what tournaments Florida State uh, uh, is set up for. They haven't announced that yet. But that this was kind of an aberration. Uh, to have that so you, you'll you'll have that time off until you travel to iowa next wednesday night and then you play again on a sunday game which you and i will do together up at atlanta and then it'll be the week after that when florida state returns well, home has four or five home games but my bigger point was they've actually got a big chunk of time to really work on the defense in advance yes of that iowa they do game. they do and, and and i think they'll obviously want to and will be appreciative of being able to take care of uh, take advantage of that opportunity i hear iowa's lovely in early december by the way Shut up, Tom. <laughs> and it's a nine-something tip. Hey, I'm going to Chicago the next week, work-related, so I'm sure I, that'll I, be beautiful, you know, too. I, and, uh, I love doing basketball. I mean, I really, really enjoy doing basketball. The staff, uh, you know, it, it supports us. The kids are fun to watch. Uh, the the biggest problem, but but, is, but damn is, if the ACC didn't schedule that game at Boston College in late January exactly, again, didn't they? Exactly. <laughs> oh, I looked at that schedule gracious. yesterday and I thought, oh, there's another trip to BC in January. You know, there's just so many things that, that Deckerhoff and I can sit around in a hotel room and talk about for God knows how many hours. But anyway, we'll get it done. We'll get it done. I did notice this week, and uh, Dean Smith's got to be rolling over. Uh, in his grave, but the uh, you mentioned the ACC honors, so FSU's got the rookie of the week. A Miami player is the player of the week in the league, and then North Carolina's going to the championship game in football. What in the world's going on in the ACC these days, Keith? It, it's it's nuts, isn't it? And, and by the way, uh, just announced uh, that the, uh, as you uh, predicted, the uh, ACC championship game in Charlotte is now a hard sellout. Uh, tickets are gone. Uh, and uh, it, it'll be an interesting, interesting contest that uh, you know Florida State won't be participating in. But nevertheless, I think uh, at least you and I, I know, will be interested, and many of our listeners and Florida State faithful, I'm sure, will tune as well. well. Well, honestly, they've probably got the best case scenario to sell tickets. You've got Clemson right down the road, and you've got and North Carolina, Carolina's in the game that has never played in it. And oh, by the way, FSU fans will will scream conspiracy theory on this. They also are going to have general beer sales throughout the whole stadium, not just the club section. They're starting that this year. I know there's FSU fans that are thinking, why didn't we have that four out of the last five years when FSU was there? Well, what they didn't announce was how much they cost. Well, and that's I'm sure other. they'll be at a premium. There will be loan officers standing by so that you can secure some finances. Make sure to- you get the uh, credit limit on your credit card up before you go, I guess is what they're advertising. All right. It is FSU Florida week, so I suppose we should bounce back that way. We'll do that with Tim Linnefelt, our Seminoles.com insider, when we continue here on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Locke and Keith Jones only on 97.9 ESPN Radio. Here's Tom and Keith.
And welcome back. Happy Thanksgiving to you and yours, if we haven't said that uh, already. Tom, should we make that Tim's walk-up song? Should we give him an opportunity to pick his own walk-up song? Hey, perhaps. We could actually ask We Tim. could ask him what he we, wants. We could make this like baseball. When he gets in a slump, we could switch the walk-up music. You know, what, we've, we've Tim, never, what do you think about that? We've what never asked you, Tim. I our, apologize. Our Seminoles.com insider, Tim Linnefeld. Tim, what would you like your walk-up song to be? We'll see if we can get Tom Lang to, to change it for you or, or go with whatever your pick is. You know, I feel pretty good about the uh, the Pearl Jam. I, I like that song. I like that album. I, you know, I, I think that's a pretty good choice. I'm, I'm afraid when you, when you have something that you you feel pretty solid about, I think it's best just to you know go ahead and stay there. All right. Well, well, so you, Tim is at middle age. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll grade you after the show, and if it's disappointing, or when you go back and listen to the tape, if you think you weren't at your best, we'll we'll uh, reassess next week and perhaps uh, change that walk up song. Should point out that. Uh, as you know, he's our Seminoles.com insider. You can find uh, content and information about all Florida State athletic programs on Seminoles.com. Jimbo's press conferences, we're done with home games. But if you want to mark your calendar for next year, you can catch the post-game press conferences on Seminoles.com. Or, They'll be here before you know it. Uh, yes, or more of note, probably Monday's press conference. Is there a Monday press conference, actually, with no ACC championship game team? You know what? This is the first time in four years or so that, that we've had to wonder about that. So I, don't, I don't think so. I yeah. guess there could be, but I, I would think not. How about we all just show up? We'll I'm, I'm going to put it conference. this way. The point is, if and when Jimbo has a press conference, it'll be streamed live on Seminoles.com. That said, let's, get, fix, let's get to the business at hand, Tim. Uh, FSU and Florida Week, it's, it's interesting. Both teams in the top 15. Uh, Jimbo was commenting on Monday about how there's some similarities here, most notably that both teams have played a couple of quarterbacks, not that they wanted to. Both have pretty good defenses, uh, that sort of thing. I don't know what what's your 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 thoughts here midweek as uh, we go into this rivalry game. Yeah, I, mean, I, I actually think that that's a, a pretty fair assessment, and it's something that I hadn't spent too much time thinking about uh, before he was asked and, and answered it. And I think there are some similarities with with one really big difference, and it's one that I think that you can kind of you know put a feather in your cap if you're a Florida State fan. Is that Florida State has a Dalvin Cook. And, and Florida, I don't think, has anybody nearly so dynamic and explosive on their offense. So in a, in a situation where, like you said, it's, it's probably going to be a, a defense-heavy game, maybe not a lot of points scored, having what I think most rational and, and objective observers would, would, uh, would say the best player on, on either team on your sideline is a, is a good thing for Florida State. How does FSU get Dalvin Cook? free, so to speak. I mean, typically when I think about what FSU's done, Jimbo oftentimes will do a lot of other things before you start handing the ball to Dalvin just to try and get the defense concerned about some other things. Uh, you know, you're not going to line up on your first series and go Dalvin right, Dalvin left, Dalvin up the middle necessarily, or, or do you? I mean, how do you see him trying to game plan to, to maximize what Dalvin can do? Well, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to that because as he's shown time and time again, he doesn't need much. Uh, yeah, I've never seen a running back who can find space and room when there seemingly is none the way that Dalvin Cook does. But you know who I think might have a, a pretty uh, pretty significant role to play this Saturday, both uh, in his own right and, and in getting Dalvin Cook uh, some more room, is Kermit Whitfield. I don't know if you have noticed, but he's had a, a really excellent last couple of weeks. He's got over 200 yards and four touchdowns in, in his last two games. Obviously, one of those games is Chattanooga. Uh, but still, um, and then he's going against NC State, which is a top-20 defense. And, and he's a guy that I, I've, I've been really impressed with the way he's come on this season. You know, we've known that he's one of the fastest players, certainly on the team, if not in the country. It was just a matter of could 
he developed the, the rest of the skill set needed to be a good receiver. And I think that, that he really has. He's probably been FSU's best route runner this season. And he's, he's the kind of guy that, you know, they figured out a way to get him the ball just in a little bit of space. He, he can run a short route. And if he's got a little bit of separation, he's another guy that he doesn't need much before he's, he's through the gate and off to the races, so to speak. Um, and if he can do that and, and, and maybe strike for a couple of those plays and, and maybe he can break loose of a tackle early on and turn, you know, a five, six yard gain into a 15, 20 yard gain, then you can, you know, I guess kind of get that respect for the defense, make the defense respect the passing game a little bit and then open things up for Dalvin Cook. So uh, that's a, a dangerous combination, I think, if you're Florida, if, if Sean McGuire and, and Kerman are able to get into a rhythm and get some, some run after catch yards. Uh, you know, then you then you have to back off a little bit, and that's a place where you don't want to be. I think your observation is right on, and for maybe one reason that you kind of said but you didn't say, and that is that McGuire has got to get rid of the ball quickly against this Florida front and slants, uh, the bubble screens, even the uh, jet sweeps, uh, the things that Kermit does well, does allow McGuire to get the ball out of his hands quickly and not maybe take the beating that he took, uh, even though it was a, you know not, not a terribly well-respected front with Chattanooga. They still got their hands on him quite a bit. Absolutely. And you know what? I wouldn't be surprised to see if they found a way to get Davin Cook involved in that short passing game as well. I mean, Jimbo said several times that it, they consider those, those little, you know, slip screens and bubbles, you know, for them, they, those are as good as running plays in terms of, you know, what they want to get out of them and what they do to the defense. So if you can find a way to, to get the ball in the Dalvin Cook's hands in, in a few maybe non-traditional ways, I, I don't think that's a bad thing either. And it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if they ran some of those plays to just try to get him some touches and get him in a rhythm early on. The other thing I would do, Tim, and I know that there had been preparation for this, maybe against NC State, not sure about Clemson, uh, but the heavy package, uh, two tights, uh, you know, just load up the box, knowing that Florida's going to load up the box because two things are, are quite significant with, with uh, Cook. Number one, you may be able to get away with leaving somebody unblocked because Dalvin, not all the time, but a number of the times, can make the first guy miss. And secondly, if you got enough big bodies in there, as you alluded to, all he needs is a little misstep by a linebacker or even the safety walked up. All Dalvin needs is just that little bitty crease, and you create a, a, a big uh, group of big bodies in there that he can work his way in. Uh, you never know when he's going to explode out of it. I agree completely, and another thing that, that could work in favor of seeing some two tight end sets, like you mentioned, is we still don't really know what Freddie Stevenson's status is for, for Saturday. Obviously, the, the fullback and an important part uh, of that running game and also uh, in, in the pass protection. Uh, he, he practiced today. He was wearing a blue non-contact jersey, uh, so we don't know exactly what his status is, if he'll be ready to go for Saturday. But if he can't go, then, yeah, I think you could see – more of the two tight end, uh, get some of those big bodies out there. And at that point, you know, it, it could sort of, I, I wouldn't say devolve, but it could turn into, you know, what you might call an old school type of football game and that, you know, let's go get it three, four, five yards at a time. And if Dalvin can, can break free of a tackle or two, uh, you know, maybe you can break off a big one. But but I, I could definitely see it turning into to that type of game that you just sort of line up and, and run at each other and, and whoever is, is more physical and, and can get a bigger push. Uh, we'll have the advantage. And who who would have expected, particularly early in the year, game one, game two, game three, that anybody, particularly me, would make this comment? But you know, Beatty might actually end up being a weapon in this contest as well. 
just playing the odds and playing field position. Oh, I absolutely think he could be. And, you know, if you look at Florida's offense, I don't mean any disrespect to them, but, but they have an exception been dynamic lately, you know. And uh, and so I think if you're in a situation where you can play field position with, with Florida and, it, you know, I don't know that Case and Beatty's really gotten credit that, that he deserved this season. He's had a really, really nice year. Uh, and so, you know, it, it kind of changes what you can do. If you, if you think that, that you can flip the field and, and hold their offense in check, uh, that could be, you know, really valuable two, three possessions down the line when, you know, maybe you're starting at your 40 or near midfield as opposed to your 20 or your 30. And, and when you're playing on the road like that, especially all those those hidden yards that, you know, Jimbo loves to preach about the hidden yards. You know, those, those hidden yards can really add up in this type of situation. Let me ask you, excuse me, uh, when you talk about hidden yards, uh, with Florida struggling as much as they are offensively, and you have Aguayo who can kick it out of the end zone and just start at the 25 every drive, but but FSU doesn't tend to do that. They tend to say, let's try and kick it to the two and force him to, to make a return, and we'll stop him at the 17 or 18-yard line. And and to be fair, Florida ranks very high. Florida State ranks very high nationally in doing that. But my point is, do you even bother doing that this week, or do you just say, kick it out of the end zone, we're not going to lose this game on a, on a long return? Well, I'm the wrong guy to ask that, Tom, because uh, in my opinion, I, I would just kick it out of the end zone every time I could and take my chances with my defense, especially as well as the Florida State defense has played this year. I don't suspect that they'll do that. I think they, they like that, that perceived advantage that it gives them. And it's not just a perceived advantage. It is an advantage that when, when you can do that, but you know, I also think that you know Roberto has had a couple issues this this year as far as putting the kickoff out of bounds or, or miss hitting on some of those plays. And you know, to take it back, I just I think everything is magnified when you're on the road uh, when you're playing a, a rival at their house when it's you know quite literally the the most hostile environment that you ever play in. You know, the difference between the 25 and the and the 35 or, or whatever it is, I mean, that can make a, a you know a, a pretty significant uh, impact on the game. So. To me, I would like to see them just go ahead and put it out there and, and let the defense do its thing, but I would be surprised if they actually went that way. And you touched on two things, and again, Tom and I had an argument about cliches a couple of segments ago, <laughs> but in a rivalry game where your offenses are struggling, the kicking game gets magnified, and, and it, it will not surprise me if a big play in the kicking game is the turning point in this contest. And, 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 and my point being, we know it's a third of the plays, but in a rivalry game like this, it may end up being 50 or 60% of the 50-50 plays that coaches always talk about that you have to win. Uh, and, and don't underestimate the importance, as you're talking about, uh, starting on the 25 versus the 38 or a 17-yard a, a punt return that puts the ball at the 50 instead of starting at the 33. Or, in, in, in the big case, you mess up in, in a long touchdown on a kickoff return or a punt return because one guy was out of position. Uh, these are the games where those types of situations just get accentuated. Oh, I, I couldn't, couldn't agree more. And, and the truth is they might not actually be more important than they are in other games but that's just kind of what you remember uh in these types of games especially when when there's a lot on the line and to go to take it further with the kicking game i wonder how you know having roberto aguayo uh sort of as your your ace in the hole if you will i, I wonder how that plays into to jimbo fisher uh, and his play calling in in his philosophy moving forward you know if there's say like a i don't know a, a third and eight at you know the 35 or the 30 going in 
Do you maybe play that a little bit more conservatively, knowing that you've got a pretty good chance of getting three points? I don't necessarily know the answer to that. I definitely think it's a possibility. And, you know, depending on how the game is playing out, if, if Florida is, is struggling on offense, I think you might see that. You know, we saw in the uh, the 2011 game that the Florida State won 21-7, to and, and that nobody will nobody will ever confuse that game for pretty football. But Florida State was able to build That was a ugly bit. with a capital U. It wasn't a great one, but, but but Florida State was able to build a lead, and then you could kind of see, you know, it, it almost was like you'd see the change in the game plan, and, and Jimbo Fisher was like, well, you know, I'm not going to do anything that, that you know, to screw their, this up. Right. I'm not going to give their defense a chance to make a play. I, you know, and, and let, until their offense shows me that they can do something, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, just play it safe and, and keep giving it back to them. And I know it wasn't the most fun for fans, but, you know, you ended up with a two-touchdown win in Gainesville, and I don't think, ugly or not, no Florida State fan's ever going to complain about that. And I'm not saying we'll see an exact carbon copy of, of that this week, but it wouldn't surprise me if the game played out in kind of similar fashion. Well, and that, and that speaks to trying to protect against turnovers, you know, interceptions, laying the ball on the ground, you know, all of the, the again, Tommy, the clichéest things that go into rivalry games, uh, they just get magnified uh, on this stage. It's it's really bizarre sometimes. One of all the worst things you can possibly do when playing in a venue like Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, right? I mean, those are the things that you just you have to avoid because they, I think they snowball more quickly in that type of setting than they do when you're at home. Well, and Florida State is trying to win for a third consecutive trip uh, at the Swamp, which has never been done in the history of the rivalry. So, uh, you know, it's not like there's a book on how you do this. I thought Jimbo had a good line on uh, Monday when he was asked if he had a favorite uh, memory against Florida, and he said, yeah, four of them. <laughs> that, that was well played. But I, I, I mentioned that because, to me, we got two top 15 teams it still doesn't feel like FSU Florida to me at its peak. And I, as I think about it, I think it's really because it's missing the Bowden-Spurrier dynamic, which has been missing for a long time now. But it's just not the same as when Spurrier would have his barbs and Bobby had his way, too. I mean, you grew up on some of that, too, Tim. Oh, 100%. And, and I agree. And I don't know that we'll ever see those guys again. But And, and it's just my own perception and in, in, in watching Jim McElwain, Florida's new coach, a little bit and knowing – a little bit about Jimbo Fisher from being around him for, for his tenure here. If, if this game turns out to be interesting or, or you know, if, if it get, gets kind of close and heated, it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, I don't think you're ever going to see Barb the way that, that Furrier and, and, and Bowden threw each other. I mean, those guys were legendary. But it wouldn't surprise me if, if the two coaches and staffs and programs kind of maybe regenerated some dislike for each other after this game. It, 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 we'll see how it goes and how it plays out, but – you know, Jim McElwain, he, he seems like he's been a pretty colorful character. I don't know if you saw last week he, uh, he compared his, uh, his, his effort against Florida Atlantic to the, the dead fish counter at the grocery store or something like that. I, I don't even know. But, but he's certainly a guy who, can, who can, can use some colorful language and make a point. Um, and so it wouldn't surprise me at all if, if you know, especially if Florida State were able to come in and have some success, uh, it might rub, might rub Jim McElwain the wrong way, and then maybe we could uh, – inject some a little bit more spice into the rivalry which have you know i think is fun i know everybody has different opinions on that but it's it's only sports you might as well have fun with it right yeah no i think it'll be good yeah he, he is colorful he also mentioned something about dalvin cook being a fire breather or something like that yeah, fire describe? breather and a glass eater i think that's a compliment i'm not sure yeah <laughs> all right we'll let you go on this uh give me a give me a prediction prediction for the game Yes, other than you will be there. I mean, like a final score prediction in which team's no, going to win. the election, the presidential election, Tim. 
I, I, I take it back to, to what I said earlier. I think it's, I think the teams are, are pretty evenly matched across the board, except in one key area. Florida State has one of the best running backs in the country, one of the best offensive players in the country, and I don't know that Florida can match that. I do see a low-scoring game somewhere in the neighborhood of Florida State 17, Florida 13, somewhere in that range. But I do think Dalvin Cook will be the difference. All right, there you have it. Once again, Tim Linnefeld guarantees a victory over Florida. Guaranteed. Right <laughs> I'm betting the house. <laughs> I, I, I take no responsibility. All right, thanks as always, Tim. He is our Seminoles.com insider, Seminoles.com, your place to go to uh, see Jimbo's press conferences as they, as they stream live. Also to follow every uh, FSU sport under the sun. There'll be plenty of content uh, leading up to and following the game against Florida this weekend, obviously. Still uh, much more time for us to discuss, argue, whatever and we'll do that after this i'm going to look up the definition of cliche okay sounds good that when we come back and much more on the front row no dark sarcasm in the classroom Broadcasting live from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in Tallahassee's All Saints District, this is The Front Row with Tom Block and Keith Jones, presented by Hobson Chevrolet. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Here's Tom Block and Keith Jones. Welcome back. Still a little bit more time here to go on the front row. We're going to get into this uh, conversation about LSU and Jimbo a little bit in this segment. But uh, just to uh, mention some of the other things that are going on, uh, I've seen the women's basketball team play a couple of times, and they're they're back on track. Their point guard's been out, Leticia Romero, and I think they uh, hope to have her back. They play a tournament up in Brooklyn on Friday and Saturday. But uh, they've got a lot of good core pieces there. They've got to develop, too, just like the men's team. But it'll be interesting to to see how they can fit together. On the soccer pitch, everybody knows Florida State's the defending champs there, and Mark Krikorian, who we had on the show a couple weeks ago, Keith, does a tremendous job, and they will play Friday at 2 against Texas A&M, and if they win that game, they go back to the College Cup. So they're in the, is it they're the in the elite. They're in the Elite Eight, yes, elite the quarterfinals. Eight, quarterfinals. I will... Uh, 11th, 12th, 13th consecutive? 11th consecutive year wow. in the Elite Eight. It's, wow. it's phenomenal what he's done. Uh, quick little story. I went to their game on uh, Friday against South Alabama, and I took my son, who's five, but he likes playing soccer, and I've, I've created a sports junkie just like myself. He'll sit there and watch the whole thing. But we literally, the, the previous game went to overtime. Otherwise, we would have shown up late for the game, but because of the overtime, it was backed up. We literally walked in, national anthem, sit down, kickoff play. So it was perfect. And then FSU scored four goals in the first nine minutes of the game. And my son couldn't appreciate it, but I, but I said, Nolan, you'll watch a lot of soccer in your life, I'm sure. You will never see that again. I mean, they just completely – South Alabama might as well gotten on the bus and gone back to Mobile at that point because that game was over eight minutes in. But anyway. Well, and again, it just speaks to, again, the program and, and the uh, – I, I don't know. Does Coach K use the word process? Does he have a process in his uh, vernacular? I don't know like if Jimbo he does? uses that. He certainly has one. Right. I don't know if he uh, articulates that. But anyway, good luck to them on uh, on Friday. I'll point out uh, that this portion of the program is uh, brought your way by the Flying Bear Great American Grill. Lovely uptown Tallahassee, uh, north on Thomasville. We're Road. getting better. We're getting better. I think the, the probability is high with a few days off from uh, work for me and the proximity between the Flying Bear and where I live that 
the Block family may pay a visit this weekend, and uh, if we do so, hope to see you there. Uh, yeah, I think that has to do with the uh, quality and amount of time that uh, said spousal unit wants to spend in the kitchen if or when she's participating in the big Thursday day. That's probably, yeah, I wasn't suggesting we'll be there on Thanksgiving, but you are you are correct. You are correct in that. All right, let, let's um, go to the elephant. So Jimbo's leaving to go to LSU. The elephant in the room, exactly. That was Keith Jones, folks. That That is uh, obviously, the it's, it's the topic du jour this week. So uh, you have the less miles thing first. Now these should be related. I'm not plugged in enough at LSU to know if they are. But if you are going to pull the plug and pull the carpet out from Les Miles whoop, and pay him $17 million, 15 to him and 2 to his staff, you would presume that you know who you're going to get next before you do that. Correct. Jimbo's name is the big name that's out there. And, you know, Jimbo no commented that on Monday, as he should. And I don't think that it's been a distraction this week. But I do think this thing will linger um, but I'm, I'm curious, you and I haven't had a chance to talk about it. Your thoughts, first of all, uh, go ahead. Ain't never gonna happen. You know, all this talk about Jimbo and his affinity or affection for LSU, one thing we haven't talked about that you haven't heard a lot about is the affinity or affection for Jimbo from the LSU community. Uh, have you heard anything about that? Well, it's it's one of the most misunderstood and misthought about things. I'm not one that believes the fan base in L- at LSU is as big a Jimbo fan as we perceive them to be. I think overall that's probably true, although from what's being reported now, it seems like the people who are going to write the checks But that's do a have very Jimbo. small, small, small segment of the LSU but, community. But it's the people that could make it happen if and we need to folks don't don't misread this. We're going to vet this full conversation. I do have good perspective on this though because my wife went to LSU and I spent a lot of time in New Orleans and obviously everybody in that city, um, just about everybody's an LSU fan too. LSU and Saints. Well, so, there's not anything else. So I get I those two. long before Jimbo was at FSU I was involved in plenty of long conversations with LSU football fans who are big, not the people that are writing the the million-dollar checks, but they're big Tiger Athletic Foundation folks. I mean, they go to every game. And they were – when Jimbo left to come here, it was no big deal. I'm not saying they were happy to see him go, wanted to see him go, but in their mind they'd seen enough of the bubble screens and Jimbo's offense. And he was kind of like – kind of similar to how it was with Mark Richt here – not the animosity that FSU folks hold for him taking the Georgia job and and thus we had a bad performance against Oklahoma. Just to, in general, you're familiar with what the offense is. You've seen it as a fan. He was there seven years. You kind of know what's coming. And sort of like the backup quarterback, you always want to see what he can do. That's kind of what it felt like in, in regard to Jimbo there. My and, and I was, you know, I was there Christmas Day, whatever year it was, when Nick Saban left to take the Dolphins job. You know, and LSU's fans, just the bottom just dropped out of their world. You know, Merry Christmas. Nick just got on a plane with Heising and went to go take the Dolphins job, you know. So I have some perspective on it. I think what's changed, though, uh, two things. One, Les can't figure out how to beat Alabama anymore. Four and eight since 2012 against Alabama, Arkansas, and Ole Miss. But four, Alabama, four wins, eight losses. And Arkansas is a big rival to LSU, which if you don't spend time there, you may you'd not have, think you'd that. You'd have to live but, there to but, know that. But LSU is, is a little bit 
curious in that they don't have a rival the way FSU has Florida. Correct. So in some respects, everybody they play in the SEC West is their rival. Ole Miss is a big game when they play them. I mean, uh, the Mannings are from New Orleans, so and they still live there, and there's a lot of Ole Miss, LSU. LSU-Arkansas is a rivalry. But lately it's been LSU-Alabama, uh, which it probably always was. But with Nick, after he le- left the Dolphins, going to Alabama, Correct. now you've got the same guy that used to coach you that's now taking you out to the woodshed every year when you play. And so folks are tired of that. So that's one thing. The second thing is that Jimbo has legitimized himself in his career by what he's done. You win 29 in a row. You put 29 in the NFL draft. You win a national title. Uh, and, you know, so I think there's reason that they would be interested in Jimbo. I just Now pers- we need to get to part two of the conversation. Well, but- I just don't believe there's that big a groundswell calling for him. But that's the other thing. The, hey, here's, the, the here, second, at, the, at the core is – is the LSU job better than the FSU no, job? No, it's not. That that's that's really the question to me. I, and I, I I would agree with that. Now, I mean, someone I think, may perceive that it is, and for somebody it may be. But this is it, not like it's one and job a hundred. No, but the someone that perceives that job being better than Florida State's job probably played at LSU or is a product of LSU. And Jimbo is not that. Jimbo is a product of the SEC, and now a part of Florida State in the ACC. Two other things that come into play in my mind. Number one, I don't believe LSU is Jimbo's dream job. I don't know what that dream job is, and it might very well be that Florida State is his dream job. I've spent time with him and talked with him about, you know, when he was at Samford, you know, he'd be on the sidelines. There's a there's a photo. I, our listeners can Google it. There's a photo. Right, he's him wearing an his, F- he's got an FSU hat on. Well, I mean, I he of, grew up going to the Bowden camp or whatever they called it, the quarterback stuff that Bobby and Terry and Tommy did. Uh, and and then the second part of it is, and and I've I've been out of the country literally. But I've heard uh, and read and, and blogged and tweeted. I get them. I just don't do them. That, you know, everybody's worried about Jimbo's not being focused. Well, let's be personal for just a second. What's the one thing Jimbo preaches? The process. Right. The process says you ignore the clutter. He's a hypocrite if he's paying attention to the clutter because he's teaching the kids to ignore the clutter. And secondly, and I don't want to tread too hard on this, but he's got a son with a life-threatening illness, and and we're not going to talk about it, but there's issues with the family, and everybody who's plugged in knows what that is. If this man isn't and showing that he can compartmentalize and focus on what's important and, and that this is going to be a distraction or a problem to him, I'm saying you don't know Jimbo the way I know Jimbo. You're saying you think he stays. I think he stays. I agree. And I, don't I agree. Think this is a problem in any way, shape, form, or fashion. I, I agree, and, and for the two reasons, primarily the two reasons you mentioned. One is family. One is Florida State. One of the first conversations I ever had with Jimbo involved you and Monk. He lived in West Virginia. He followed FSU then because he had followed Bobby at West Virginia. When Bobby moved to FSU, he was an FSU fan. He's talking to me, and what was he in the late 70s, 15, about – you the and Cincinnati Monk playing game. and knowing your num- you know, your jersey numbers. And this was long before he was affiliated with Terry Bowden. So I'm going a long way to say he has a true appreciation of FSU and was a true fan long before he became the head coach. Doesn't mean he's going to stay here forever. Doesn't mean he won't take the job if it's offered. I Just that and the family situation, I tend to think he'd stay. 
That's and my two and cents again, back it. to the distraction and that he won't be able to be focused and, and all that. I, th- that's not the Jimbo I know. The Jimbo I know could spend, you know, X number of minutes thinking about something or Y number of telephone calls with his agent or whatever, you know, he and Sexton are talking about because Sexton's going to be the one doing all the behind the scene work if there is any to be done and then immediately go back to whatever the task at hand is. That's how compartmental jimbo can be it, it it almost will drive you nuts because you and i've been in situations at the acc kickoff we want to talk about something and he's on this another plane you know well tell me about the deer you killed well we can't we got to worry about our offensive line i'd rather hear about the deer right yeah, no, that is, that is the way he functions. All right, anyway, we, we really didn't we, – we could do several hours on this. We need to stop for now, come back and wrap up the show. So we'll do it here on the front row. Listening to the front row with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Got a question? Email them at the front row at 979ESPNRadio.com. Here's Tom and Keith. Just a uh, minute or two to wrap things up. Keith, uh, happy Thanksgiving to uh, Same to you, you and Kathy, Tommy, you the know, family, I, and uh, you and, and Laura and the kids. Uh, you know, we're going to spend some quality time tomorrow, uh, as we hope all our listeners will, with their families. Uh, we do take one time a year. We we need to take about three hundred sixty-five times a year uh, to be thankful for all the the things that uh, we've been given, both material, emotional support, family, otherwise. Uh, it's a good time. Uh, I would like it for it to be a little cooler, uh, but I can live with it. We're getting there. We're getting there. How old's your oldest grandchild now? Oldest is six. Have eight grandchildren, all under the age of six. So another couple of years, you'll have them cooking and doing all the dishes. I mean, you're going to be right in the wheelhouse pretty soon. You won't have to lift a finger on Thanksgiving. Uh, like I do now? <laughs> well, that's true. You are married to <laughs> Kathy, and she's carried you for years. So no question. that is a valid point. No question. All right, FSU. So happy Thanksgiving to everybody. Tom, uh, you and the staff here, Jeff, uh, as well um thoughts on the games fsu gonna do this i think they will and i'm with tim i think it'll be low scoring uh i think the kicking game uh, special teams will play a, a significant part obviously field position and all the other cliches by the way i looked up to the definite cliche anything jones says that tom disagrees with is a cliche <laughs> uh according to my uh wikipedia um but i think it'll be you know 17 10 2013 something like that uh i think one of the things that will be best for florida state is to get ahead early the proverbial take the crowd out of it because uh, obviously the florida group has got a lot to be thankful for in their own respect with what coach mack has put together and uh, they'd like to get a little momentum going into the SEC championship game. Hopefully Florida State can take that away from them. Well, if Florida State gets ahead, that's sort of like the script at Clemson. It's just mm-hmm. a question of have mm-hmm. you matured enough to finish can it Can you off. hang on to it? Yeah, I, I, I think Dalvin's the, the wild card here too. And, I, you know, I, it's not going to happen. But personally, I've been on this. Dalvin needs to at least get an invite to New York. Uh, deal. So I'd love to see him go for a buck fifty or two hundred and be a difference maker that way. But more than that, I'd, I'd like to see him just do well enough for Florida State to win the game. But I think you'll also see him a little bit in the passing game. We talked about that just briefly, but getting him out of the backfield a right. little bit, screens, you know, maybe even putting him wide out and using the bubble out there if he can, if, if Jimbo's comfortable running him in the slot. Just creative ways to get him the ball in space so he can make people miss. All right, folks, we are done. We are out of time. Have a great Thanksgiving. Enjoy the football this weekend. Enjoy Saturday night, and we'll talk to you again next week.